Welcome back to another fabulous Friday episode with me on the After Dark Coast to Coast podcast. If you are new and want to experience true crime, very gruesome, sometimes very dark, very sad, whatever, if you feel like true crime, go follow our podcast right now. I don't care where you're listening from because you can follow us on there too. You can even look for our updates on our Facebook page After Dark Coast Coast Killers. Once again, our Facebook page is After Dark Coast Coast Killers. Go check out all of our stuff everywhere. Listen to all of our podcast episodes. And stay tuned for more. And... Yeah, even get your family and friends to share them and listen to us and follow us. The more followers we have on Facebook and our podcast, we may be able to do some greater things like travel and actually speak with victims' families and all of that the stuff that makes true crime documentaries on ID type of thing. Anyhow, we are putting a viewer's discretion advised with this episode, like every episode, just in case if you get squirmish. Uh, As far as I know, there's nothing about rape or anything, it's just stimulation. We are going back to Japan. Why Japan? Well, we got another serial killer case to investigate there. If you haven't checked out the Ashikaka case, go check it out, by the way. That's another Japan one. Let's jump into this case, and I am going to repeat some stuff that I repeat a lot, it seems like. Like, what's the difference between a serial killer and a serial case? all of that in this episode for people that haven't checked those episodes out so let's just get into this without me rambling three minutes in these murders have something in common i'm not saying the killer and the victims do even though they do but anyhow these murders have taken place on wednesday six of the seven cases has these victims have disappeared on a Wednesday, vanished during the evening hours or night hours. Five of the deaths were due to strangulation. Fourth case, the statute of limitation expired, and the remaining three were indicated. We will also be talking about a suspect that was acquitted. Uh, anyhow, so that's what makes this a sale case. If, without much explaining, when we look at a case, like let's say if I was looking at a local case because I've noticed that there was a rash of similar murders in the same way, strangulation or whatever, and I find out that five cases that were thought to be different cases in relation were actually similar cases 
it could be called a serial case. The similarities, like in this case, one stays, and the hours, who they were, wherever their bodies were dropped off, wherever they disappeared, all makes a serial case. What makes a serial killer in relation to a serial case is how the killer performed. Not a rating, it's not like, oh, this guy killed these people on a scale of 1 to 10, I give him a 10 because it's the most clever murder. It's not like that. It's the idea of the personality. If the killer did know his victims, how these victims died, and a lot more goes into it besides just relations between the serial killer and the victim. It's more so that often the idea of X, Y, and Z. In order to find the serial killer, you gotta look at where these murders occurred, who these people were with, and so on and so forth. Anyhow, Let's get into the murders without me rambling on. If you want to go figure out more about how these are classified and how a serial becomes or a serial killer becomes a serial killer, you can go check that out online if you don't know. The first known murder is from 1975, August 27th, when a 12-year-old junior high school student living in Kitagata disappeared from a telephone booth or near telephone booth while she was going home. She was last seen with a man on June 27th, exactly two months later, 19, or actually it's more than two months later, it's two months, five years later, she was found dead in one of the toilet stalls next to the elementary school pool in Shirashi. On April 12, 1980, a 20-year-old living in the room of, in the town of Shirashi named H disappeared in the same circumstances as the previous victim. About two months later, on June 24th, she was found dead in elementary school toilet as well in the same town. This is the only murder to have not occurred on a Wednesday. Instead, the murder had occurred on a Sunday. On October 7, 1981, the victim known as I, a 27-year-old factory employee living in Shirashi, um, disappeared on October 21st. She was also found strangled and she was found near a vacant lot in Nakabrau on February 17th, 1982. A 11-year-old fifth grader named A was strangled to death in Kitagata while walking home to school. On July 8th, or yeah, July 8th, 1987, 
a 40-year-old restaurant employee in Takio, also named H, disappeared mysteriously. She was found dead on January 27, 1989, beneath a cliff at Kitagata. The following two bodies that we are going to talk about were found in the same location and are collectively known as the Kitagata Affair on December 7, 1988. 50-year-old housewife named N disappeared from Kitagata and on January 25, 1989, a 37-year-old office worker based in Kitamachi named Y had also disappeared. It is not stated that they have been found yet. So, if I was going to fast, we're going to, you know, summarize all of this. We know that the ages aren't the same. We know that this killer didn't care about the age. Yet, they were all female. Most, I guess it's 6 out of 7, jangled. Um, at least two of them were found in elementary schools in one of the toilet, st- uh, toilet stalls. Mostly all of them besides one was not murdered on Wednesday. And it seems like most of these murders actually took place in the town of Shirashi. Like I said, I'm going to say if I butcher any of these names, I'm sorry. Um, but most of these do take place in that town, Shirashi. So we have those similarities. Like I said, age didn't matter. The gender more likely did. The town more likely did. Now, I'm going to say this now, whether or not it's going to say it in the future, or I'm going to say it, I should say. Um, This killer doesn't travel. This killer seems like a stationary serial killer. A serial killer that's isolated, watches, observes, quiet, you know, truly doesn't give a fuck about the world and what the world really is to other people. This killer seems to be a more owl killer, a night owl, a killer that, like I said, observes, stays in one place. And I'm getting that. Why? Because most of these do happen in Chirashi. Which typically would mean, like I said, it's a killer that's isolated, stationary, stays in the same place. The other murders, um, like Kitagata, um, they seem to have moved a little bit. The person may not have moved. The person may have went back to Chirashi. And it just seems though. That whoever this killer is lived in that area and knew Shirashi very well. Let's talk about the Kitagata affair. 
uh, around 5 p.m. on January 27th, the 1989, or of 1989, sorry, a couple driving near a mountain forest in Kishima district found three female bodies dropped beneath a cliff and reported it to the police. The victims were identified as restaurant employee H, housewife N, and office worker Y. It is believed that they were killed on July 8, 1987, December 7, 1988, and last on January 25th, two days before the bodies were found. Items belonging to the victims were allegedly discarded with a two-mile radius of the site where the bodies were found. In November of the same year, a 26-year-old man who had been detained for unconnected crime admitted to three of the murders during a cognitive interview, but later recanted the confession. On June 11, 2002, the Saga Prefecture Police charged the prisoner with the murder of Y while he was incarcerated in Kagoshima prison. Later charging him with the other ones, the indictment was filed on July 7th, approximately six hours before the statute of limitations for the murder expired. The, uh, on October 22nd, the trial did begin with the prosecution arguing in favor of the death penalty on April 10th. 2005, the Saga District Court cited lack of conclusive evidence and corrosion by the interrogating officers for the reasoning for finding the defendant or defendant innocent of all charges. Um, we're let's just continue talking about this one guy. Um, but he was acquitted, which is why this does he does have an all-solved rating on this case. But let's talk a little bit more about why this case is important to solve and why they needed to work harder at it. And I'm not saying they, they suck. I'm not saying, you know, anything like that. And I'm definitely not saying they were irresponsible with the investigation. But that's because they had most of these murders in a secluded area, the same area, repeatedly. The killer put two of the bodies in toilet stalls next to an elementary school or in a in the school whether it's the same school or not this killer probably didn't have a fetish for children because of his status of random people he had probably no intention of killing children but had a thirst for I know that's really confusing to say, but if you compare a murderer's mind to a serial killer's mind, you can see 
very, very different things. A person that just murders someone. Doesn't have a cool off period. Doesn't go back out to murder. Doesn't have a thirst to murder. Sometimes a murderer is horrified by murder that they have committed. Which is why they don't go out and about like a serial would. Or a serial killer would. A serial killer and their mind is different from murders because they have a cool off period. They don't always start with humans like Jeffrey Dahmer. He actually started with animals. He was interested in killing animals and collecting his kills, which did expand into humans because serial killers have a thirst. Whenever that thirst stops, they have to up their game. Like Jeffrey Dahmer didn't want to kill animals anymore. He wanted to kill humans because the thirst for animal killing stopped which is why he did kill humans and did the same thing he collected his kills like he did with the animals and then he had a cool off period every single time whether or not They were horrified at first. That's not necessarily the point. They have a, what I like to call a flame inside of them. They can let the flame grow by trying to ignore it. The flame grows bigger and bigger and bigger each time they ignore it until they do kill sometimes when a serial kills after that they can't stop killing it becomes more irritable for them to stop than to continue because they don't like suppressing the flame serial killers that extinguish the flame do repeatedly it's like sex offenders Sex offenders have a flame. And unlike serial killers, sex offenders can change despite what they have done. Not all serial killers do. And like serial killers, they do have the decision and the option, you know, to recognize their crimes. Unless you are a sociopath or some type of person that doesn't give a shit. And I know I'm extending this, but in this case, this killer didn't have a certain preference. Preference is what I'm trying to say. Their flame was just for anyone that he could scout. The easiest people that he could scout was in Shirashi. The easiest victims that he had to start out with were people that were weaker than him. In this case, children are weaker than him. And he didn't have the mindset of just children. He didn't have 
the mindset of actually rape or you know stabbing he just strangled and he moved up and he scouted for more bigger opportunities while mixing in more children and more adults his preferences didn't stop with who the victims were he cared about their gender I don't know if it was because of his past which we don't know his past I'm going to assume his past but seems like serial killers in history that go more towards one gender than other like in a case where it's all females it's typically if it's not a truck driver killer it's something that has to do with their past it's like daddy issues but it's mommy issues somewhere in their life they didn't like their mother they didn't like their sister they didn't like their aunt every female to that serial killer was deemed an enemy and they had to go kill these females like with Jeffrey Dahmer Jeffrey Dahmer didn't like women but he didn't like them to kill them he was gay and I don't know if it was because he was trying to suppress his gayness to the family that he was being raised in because he had a really good family he's one of those very few serial killers that had really great families that didn't grow up in a very toxic family that you know the case of neutral versus nature type of thing where he wasn't actually raised in a bad family that could have encouraged him to go kill I think it was more of him not being able to accept it and he didn't know what to do with it in this case with you know the Wednesday Strangler he just strangled people Wednesdays typically evening the easiest times the easiest people he scouted in his areas now with the Kitagata affair it seems a little bit different because we have three people within the two bodies and the police fighting them I don't know if he did it on purpose or if there was just a body there before they even found the other two but it just seems like that he was watching the police he wanted to while or while them up um, so he decided to kill again and purposely place the body there short he could have been watching the police every movement every moment of investigation he could have been there this is all speculation this is all theory because I have nothing more to go on than what I have or I found this is just me 
searching out an episode theorizing about a case because there are no real theories out there. There's, there's nothing pretty much than what I have talked about that was factual. I ran out of that information. But in this case, it's good to theorize because it's unsolved. Everybody theorizes in these cases. Without further ado, if you like this episode, if you like this podcast, want to hear more because next episode is going to probably be a part, a three-part series probably the most, two-part, I don't know yet, but it's going to be about the Zodiac Killer. Yes, we are going to uh, include the update that came out, I think was December last year or earlier this year. Whenever that update came out about the cipher, we are also going to include that in it. Um, but yeah, see you guys next time on the After Dark Coast to Coast Killers podcast.